Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back into the Hard Foul. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. With me as always from GamecockCentral.com, the bad luck charm for the South Carolina Gamecocks this entire weekend, Colin Taylor. Colin, I, I hate that you have to wear that albatross around your neck, but you had a busy weekend. You did a lot of travel. It's much appreciated. Gamecock fans everywhere yes. appreciate your vigilance, your dedication to traveling. And I sound like I'm being sarcastic because it's 9 o'clock in the morning, but I'm being serious because Friday... You were in Columbia, you covered the baseball game, mm-hmm. and then Saturday morning you woke up and drove to Tuscaloosa, watched the basketball game, and then you said you stayed overnight in Hoover or Birmingham, yeah. somewhere thereabouts, yes. and then drove to Clemson, South Carolina, first thing Sunday morning to cover the baseball game, then came back to Columbia, and then now you are back here in downtown Columbia at 9 o'clock on Monday morning. Again, admirable. Seriously, everybody appreciates your continued great coverage of all South Carolina sports, but... Carolina played four, did four sporting events, had four sporting events in the major men's sports going on right now. And they lost the two baseball games you attended, and they lost the one basketball game you attend. So, And then won the one baseball game I didn't. Right. So how do you defend yourself? You know, there was a running, with the baseball team last year, there was a running joke that I was a jinx, and anything I tweeted or posted would immediately not come to be true. Um so I think I'm just bad luck. I don't know what that means for my fiance, but like, <laughs> well, you better hope it's just for sports, and not for anything yeah, else. Um, I don't know. Maybe if they played better, I wouldn't be a bad luck. Maybe if you played better, you they wouldn't be. That's that's exactly right. That's yeah. the perfect place to start because South Carolina gave up 90 points against Alabama on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Now, as we talked about on Thursday, this is an Alabama team that plays with an incredible pace. They shoot a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. They score a lot of points. But this was a very winnable game for South Carolina. It was one that they had to win to have a realistic shot at making the tournament. Now it's going to take a not unprecedented, but probably unlikely tournament run. They can still make the NCAA tournament without winning the SEC tournament. They're not quite in the dire straits of their only hope is automatic qualification, but they're at least going to have to win two games in the tournament now. They obviously have to win out. They have to beat Mississippi State Tuesday night. They have to win in Nashville against Vanderbilt. This is one that that's probably going to stick in Carolina fans' heads as much as the Stetson loss. Obviously, it's a better loss. It's a quad one loss. It's, yeah. Alabama's a you know a good basketball team, even though they're only sixteen and thirteen and just five hundred in conference play. But this is one that Carolina could have won, should have won, and frankly came out firing on all cylinders and looked like they were poised to win this game and then go on a nice little run here to end the season and. The second half was the exact opposite. Yeah, I think if you had told me South Carolina would be up 20 to 8 with like 10 minutes to go or, you know, after the first seven minutes or whatever it was, I thought, you you know, I thought this would be a runaway. I thought this, I, I remember turning to the guy next to me and saying, this looks a lot like the Georgia game um, where they build a big lead and then just kind of not hold on, but you build up enough lead to where those runs don't hurt you. And, I was wrong. I Alabama, this was South Carolina's defense, which has been statistically one of the best in the SEC this year, going up against an NBA-style offense. I'm not saying that Alabama has a host of NBA talent or operate at an NBA-level efficiency, but in terms of style of play, it was an NBA-style offense, and they just didn't have any answers for it. They kept fouling, and they, I mean, they just didn't play well in the second half. It's the Houston Rockets. It's threes and it's free throws. It's the most efficient shots in the game. Yep. They maximize it. Again, they've, they've done it to great effect all season, which is why they have such good numbers. Number one in the SEC in three-point shooting. Uh, I think both in three-point shooting percentage and in three-pointers. Man, they're making like 11 threes a game coming into the game and made just nine of them. So South Carolina, I guess defensively, did a little bit better than average against Alabama. But the fouling just continues to be a sore spot for this team. 
both sides of the fouling. You know, yes. obviously fouling too much defensively and then not getting fouled enough, not shooting enough free throws for most of the season. The last couple of games, they've actually shot a reasonable number of free throws and the then continue is, to just hit, you yeah. know, a, a really, really substandard, a really terrible percentage of them. So that that's kind of been the story of this season, which is terrible. You know, you think about the talent on this team, the injuries, the ups, the downs. It feels just like really awful to boil the 2019-2020 men's basketball season at South Carolina down to, yeah, they fouled too much and they didn't make enough free throws. Like, if they're not going to make the tournament, wouldn't you like for it to be because they're not good enough or yeah. because they had too many injuries or because all these other things happened? But instead, it's like one of the most fundamental, foundational pieces of the game that South Carolina, through now 29 games, just cannot figure out how to get right. Yeah, and that's the frustrating part is that not only does it make it an absolutely unwatchable product, because, oh boy, was it an unwatchable product, no, for any other reason than fouls. That they that the fouls just detract from the game, mm-hmm. and a lot of those were fouls on South Carolina, but a lot of them, the ticky tack hand check, I hate, which check. I hate, yeah, and that's like partly a, a problem with college basketball. Yeah, it's not, not a South Carolina problem; it's a college basketball problem. It's it's a college basketball problem, and and you've mentioned this a couple times, and I'm not saying this to, I don't know, this is probably going to sound different than I mean it, but this is an instance where South Carolina and Frank Martin. The reputation precedes them, yeah, and in a way that's like severely detrimental. So again, I think that's fundamentally a college basketball problem. In South Carolina, they're not going to change the way they play. Frankly, they shouldn't change the way they play. I had a bunch of people hitting me on Twitter after the game. It's like, okay, at what point does Frank Martin's style of defense not not work anymore in the modern game because of the the way that they call it, because of how tightly officiated these games are? And it's like, even still, I, I don't know exactly what the numbers are now, but coming into the Alabama game, even after a bad defensive performance against Mississippi State and a bad defensive performance against LSU. Or not uh, Mississippi State against, uh, hang on, who did LSU and uh, Georgia? No, yeah, LSU and Mississippi State. I guess Mississippi State wasn't a disaster, but point is, after a couple of subpar by Carolina standards defensive performances, coming into the Alabama game, they were still the number one team in the SEC in defensive efficiency. So you can't say that what Frank Martin's doing doesn't work. They still are, by the way. Yeah, okay, so they still are. Even after giving up 90 points in a pretty efficient game to Alabama, this, to me, feels more like a college basketball problem, and we see it all across the country. All sorts of teams, all sorts of conferences, guys complaining about officiating. It seems like Carolina's on the wrong side of it more often than not, and so it probably sounds like I'm sitting here complaining about the officiating. I mean, I don't care. I, yeah. I hear a lot of it from the fans, and I understand it, and I actually think that they have a legitimate gripe. I don't like to complain about the officials, and it's not, it is the officials' fault, and it's not the officials' fault. Carolina continues to put themselves in positions yes. where they can be called for 29 fouls in a game, but they also get called for some of the ticky-tack, the most ticky-tack fouls. They get called for more ticky-tack fouls. I wish there were a stat for that. They, yeah. Someone needs to come up with an advanced metric for just, like, re, you're going to call that, like, really, just relax. Like, like let the game be played. And for Carolina fans, it's it's just the absolute worst-case scenario. Yeah. Um, I do think their reputation precedes themselves that they play physical, which means they're going to initiate more contact, which means more fouls get called. And that's not... What you see, that's why Frank Martin's teams are so good in the postseason when they get there because the refs swallow the whistle a little bit more. The problem is in the SEC, they don't. Do you want to hear some really, really damning statistics? Please. So Ken Palm, which I really enjoy, I think they do a really good job of just dissecting things, uh, has delivered four factors. Four factors that if you win these, you normally win basketball games. Good okay. teams do these really well. Effective field goal percentage, mm-hmm. which just are you taking efficient shots and are you knocking them down? Yeah, it weights threes separately than twos. So yeah. you can measure. Yeah. yeah, free throw. And it doesn't factor in free throws. It's, it's a smarter way of looking at basketball than just straight up field goal percentage. Yeah. Um, all both offensive and defensive. Uh, turnover rate, the rate at which you turn the ball over, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Offensive rebound rate, which obviously means the percentage of offensive rebounds, you abilities to, to pull those in. And this one, free throws attempted over field goals attempted. The hmm. ratio of free throws attempted um, percentage-wise to field goals attempted. The national average is 32.6%. Okay? 32.6. South Carolina offensively is at 37.0. So they're getting to the line, mm-hmm. which re- that's what that means. They're getting to the line. 68th nationally. Pretty good. They are 7th in the SEC. Pretty mediocre. Strictly average. Mm-hmm. 
Defensively, remember the national average is 32.6. 52.5. So that what that means is opponents are attempting, uh, attempting 52% the number of their field goal attempts yeah. on the free throw line. Yeah. And case in point, Alabama took 47 free throws and 55 field goal attempts. Yeah. And even even though Alabama didn't shoot them particularly well, I mean, 70%, which is a fine number, not a great number, 33 of 47, they left 14 points at the charity stripe, were still able to win by four. I mean, they beat Carolina 16 points. They won yeah. the free-throw shooting battle by 16 points. Yeah. Um, out of 353 teams, where do you think that ranks? 353 teams? I'm going to guess... No, three, three, yeah, 353. I'm going to guess 350th. 353rd. Okay, dead, dead last. last. Huh. Yeah. All and right. in the SEC, it is, they're at 56.8 in SEC play, which is also dead last. Um, we can't sit here on a Carolina basketball podcast and blame the officials. No, but, when you foul that much and yeah. But. Yes. It's it's a combination, right? Well, what's the right. split? Is this 60-40 South Carolina's fault? Is this 60-40 officiating? Because if it were officiating, then we would see other teams with those kinds of numbers. Obviously, someone's going to be the worst, and someone's going to be the best, and they're going to be you know, people um, that occupy the middle ground. But I, I, I just can't. I watch, you know, obviously I watch every game. I watch most of them a couple of times. And it it doesn't, and, and look, I'm like pretty, yes, I grew up a Carolina fan. If y'all want to call me a Carolina fan, that's fine. Since I've been in this business, I feel like I've done a really good job of divesting emotionally. I, I'm not emotionally invested for the most part anymore. You know, trying to do my best to be objective and things like that. And I'm impressed. I feel like I've I'm impressed with myself. I feel like I've done a better job than I ever would have thought I would have. Hang a banner. Just looking yeah. at this. Yeah. The just, banner's hanging in the studio. Huh? The banner's hanging in the studio. Pearson Fowler, objective journalist. I, I guess so. <laughs> I, I definitely don't consider myself a journalist, but I, I yeah. like to have some modicum of objectivity. But point is, when I'm watching these games, there's just so many head scratchers. And yes, there are a lot of them. It's that are dumb fouls. But it just seems like, am I still being biased and thinking that Carolina gets a very uncharitable whistle all of the time? Yeah, I think it's more 65, 35, 70, 30. We're going to put it as something being South Carolina's fault. Okay. They don't put themselves in great situations. They're not. They have. They, they're moving a lot of times and they're just some just dumb. Hand check fouls are fouls. Would I like to see them not called? Sure. Mm-hmm. But hand check fouls are fouls. That's their problem is they just don't make smart fouls sometimes. And it's it's an SEC problem because there are. um, One, two, three. Five teams plus that at free throw rate plus forty one percent. Half the SEC is at over forty percent, so it is somewhat of an SEC problem. But it's also South Carolina leading that charge. Definitely. Well, I'm, only, I'm glad and, to hear that there are a lot of other SEC teams that are in that you know pretty poor territory in terms yeah. of their percentage, like above the national average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it um, is. I mean, it's it's athletic. It's a more physical brand of basketball. There are only two teams. Just strictly in SEC play. There are only two teams below the average. And I'm going to guess those are Kentucky. No. Dang it. I was Ooh, just thinking yeah. Kentucky bias. Kentucky was is about three percentage points above the average. So they're at what, right at 40? 35. 30, wait, what did you say? That? The national average is 32. 32. Yeah. Oh, shoot, I was thinking 37. 32, and Carolina's 52? 52 on the season. 56, 55. Almost 57 in SEC play. play. Holy cow. Yeah. All right, the two teams in SEC play... That don't foul that much below are, below the thirty two point six whatever threshold. Ah, uh, jeez. Um, okay, I don't know. I'm not gonna guess. You have to tell me. LSU is one of them. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Texas A and M. Really. Twenty seven point right. three. Good job. Good job, Texas A. Don't foul LSU. South Carolina. Stop fouling. Yeah. It's easier said than done. Just stop fouling. How much of a difference would that have made this season? Oh, massive. It, I mean, that really, that again, like I started the podcast saying that, and now I'm wondering if, like, how much I was exaggerating, but it really does feel like all things being equal, if Carolina shot free throws better and didn't foul as much, they would probably be, I don't know, 21 and seven right now or 21, 21 and eight. Yeah. I mean, you could play revisionist history all that. What if they hit the free throws against Stetson and yeah. you know, Tennessee? And, but it's amazing to yeah. boil it down to that and not, oh, well, you know, if so and so had a good game in this, like, even, even though they've gotten, you know, good and bad games from AJ Lawson. They've gotten good and bad games from Keyshawn Bryant. They've even gotten a couple bad games recently from Mike Coatsar. You know, Jermaine Kusnard's efficiency has dropped. Even despite all that, you don't even have to say 
if only those guys played better. If yeah. only so and so on the other team didn't go off. You know, you know, Kyra Lewis had a you know fantastic game, and you know, he's going to have going that. For he's good. Yeah, he's going to have that. You don't even you don't even have to factor that out for South Carolina. All you have to do is even out the foul numbers and the free throw numbers, and it totally changes the complexion of the season. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's made it harder for the fans to swallow that this team is now pretty comfortably staring at an NIT bid, and it's not like they're going to be a top seed in the NIT either, I don't think. No, and that's the frustrating part because, you know, Frank Martin said before the season started this was his best team. And you, and know you what? see that. He's right. Yeah. He's right. <laughs> it is their best team. Um, But the problem is is that you've, you lack in one or two really key areas, and it comes back to bites in the ass. Mm-hmm. And fouls are one of them, and having to kind of figure and piece things together in the non-con with Jermaine Cousinard, obviously not your starting point guard. That's another fun revisions history you can play. What if Jermaine's your starting point guard after, you know, they come back from Mexico? Yeah. What if he's your starting point guard then? So um, <clears throat> you can make all these kind of arguments. He wasn't the starting point guard against Clemson or Virginia. So worked out know, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. You know, you can play a revisionist history with a lot of this, and there's still chances to be made to get into the tournament. And sure, it's not sure. dead, but you're sweating at this point where you're in a season where one or two breaks go your way and you make free throws and, you know, this. You're not sweating. You're an eight or a nine mm-hmm. in this tournament. One other thing that should be pointed out, obviously the reason that this hurts South Carolina so much is – just because of the math, and that's yeah. been the battle ever since SEC play started. Is how do you get to the, how do you get to the right number? How do you get to two zero? But, and and as as right as Carolina fans are to feel bad about this loss because Carolina could have won this game because they should have won this game if yeah. they didn't put Alabama at the free throw on forty seven times they would have won this game. It's still, even though it's bad because you don't get the number, it's not a bad loss. This is still a quad one loss. Yeah, this which is ridiculous. Put, they drop. Two spots in Ken Palm and no spots in the net. They're at 63rd in the net. So while you lost your last chance, I guess until possibly the FC tournament, to get a marquee win, this is not a loss that that the tournament hangs over your head. The reason I say this is one that's going to stick with Carolina fans is because it's so late in the season and because of what it means for, again, just the math of it. The other part of this, uh, this, though, Frank Martin said, I don't remember if it was after the Mississippi State game or after the LSU game, but he said the one thing that you can't do just at the end of the season that. is a losing streak. Three of their last four. They've lost three of their last four. They're welcoming in a Mississippi State team that is good. 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 Carolina can certainly beat. The talent is probably relatively even. Mm-hmm. Carolina's not playing that well right now. That's that's part of it. Mississippi State, you know, they only won by three at their place, but they could have won by more. How much is Carolina fighting back actually matter? It's hard to beat the same team twice in a season. There are a lot of things in play, and we'll, I guess we'll get to the Mississippi State game, but that is far from a sure thing. Yeah, It's still one that Carolina has to win, and then you go to Vanderbilt, which is always a weird place to play. Vanderbilt's not good. Carolina no. beat them by 1,000 last time. Vanderbilt has, I guess, been playing a little bit better yeah. lately, they got and, it's, and it's still a weird place to play. Yeah, And if Carolina's backcourt doesn't start playing any better, or if they keep playing poorly, anything can happen. And I guess with that, we'll start with Carolina's guards, AJ Lawson, Jermaine Cousinard. We'll just do them together because their stats were remarkably similar. AJ, 39 minutes, 5 of 15, 1 of 5 from 3. Did his 6 of his 7 free throws. Nice job. 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 turnovers. Finished with 17 points. Jermaine Cousinard, 33 minutes, also 5 of 15 from the field, also 1 of 5 from 3. He hit just 1 of just 3 free throws, added uh, also 3 rebounds. Did have five assists, two steals, just the one turnover. Had to play the best defense that he could on Kyra Lewis for most of the game. Kyra Lewis played very well. Or scored a lot. You know, 7-16, fine. That's like reasonably efficient, not crazy. It just hasn't been enough. Right. It hasn't been efficient enough. Jermaine Cousinard's scoring is finally dipping like pretty consistently. He was like right at 16 or 17 a game for a while. And then he was, it was like, oh, he got to 15, like maybe 16 a little bit. And then... Now 12, and it's just kind of dipping, and we talked about him sort of maybe hitting the freshman wall. And for AJ, he's kind of gotten back to his numbers, but the efficiency just hasn't yeah, you hasn't need, been there. You'd take 12 points from him on 4 or 5 shooting rather than, you know, 17 points on 5 of 15. 
He took a bad three at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Just took a bad, bad three. Mm-hmm. Not in the flow of the offense. Just And he's pressing, and I get it. And I asked him about it after the game why he took it. And he said, well, we're down three, and we need a shot. And I took it. And at that point, you want him to drive there and, and kick or see if he can hit and get fouled and do that. But, yeah, you need more. You need. I mean, bottom line, you need more from those guys. Jermaine scored two more points than Alonzo Frank and played 14 more minutes and took 11 more shots. He's just, he's another guy that's kind of, he's pressing and teams are slowly starting to figure out how to defend him. Mm -hmm. And he just needs to be better about countering that. Put your damn head down. I'm showing you a note in my phone that I took while I was watching the game, and it said Lawson and Cousinard looked like they were pressing. Mike maybe a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, Mike, you can tell. You yeah. can tell. And it, and it hurts because <laughs> you see how well those guys play when they're not pressing, when yeah. they're letting the game come to them. And it just it makes such a difference. Yeah. 10 of 30 from your backcourt. And look, twenty if you get 29 points from A.J. Lawson, as you mentioned, A.J. Lawson and Jermaine Cousinard, that's fine. But it can't be on 10 of 30 shooting. No. No, 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 no. And not two of ten from three-point land. Oh, God. They've been, for as good as they've been shooting the three this season, these last few games. Mm -hmm. Well, and the weird part of it is as a team, South Carolina still had a relatively efficient game. Just just under 46% from the field, which is a little bit above their season average. Almost 36% from three. They only took 14 of them, but knocked down five of their 14. That's better than they normally do. Mm. And frankly... Even though 17 of 26 from the stripe is still not good, 65.5% is better than their season average. So all those numbers, despite that, and despite Mike Kozar also not having a good game, we'll talk about him in just a second, the team efficiency numbers for South Carolina were still pretty good. Yeah. And again, could have won this game. This is this is just, this is is just the common frame, refrain. We've said this many times. We just spent 10 minutes talking about it. The difference in Carolina beating Alabama or not wasn't even that A.J. Lawson didn't have an efficient game, or that Jermaine Cousinard didn't have an efficient game, or that Mike Cozart didn't have an efficient game, or that they were on the road. All of those things happened. All of those things, you would normally say, well, that's why Carolina lost. And I guess in a way it is, like if those guys had made you know one more shot each, then Carolina would have won the basketball game. But they didn't even need that. That's no. how talented this team is. They yeah. can withstand those kinds of... You can uh, win they, ugly. Those kinds of minutes, yeah. When, and you get you know pretty decent minutes uh, out of a couple guys on your bench. You know, Jerry Bolden came in, and he was... For as much as AJ and Kuznard looked like they were pressing and just tense, like Jair came in and was a freaking cooler. Like he hit what three of his, uh, he hit his first three shots and then four of his first five, including three of three from three. And I mean, it looked like he was like, all right, guys, settle down. I'm here. It's cool. I'm going to put the team on my back. This is going to be like Virginia. Unfortunately, disappeared a little bit in the second half. Yeah. But that's, that's the upside of this team is you have, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily this game. McCreary fouled out and, 14 minutes, had just four points and a rebound. Um, did have a dunk. Always fun when he dunks. But he can give you 12 and 6. Or Jair can come in and give you 15. Or Hannibal can give you you know eight points and a couple of steals and really good defense. We've seen Wilden Zavek have good games. We've even seen TJ Moss. Was it against Kentucky that he had like you know 10 points and a couple of assists? Flashes, yeah. Yeah. So that can happen. You don't need A.J. Lawson and Jermaine Kuznard to be that good every single game. No. But it just comes down to the biggest margin that South Carolina lost this game because everything else, they lost the rebounding battle by five. That's, you know, significant, but not huge. Right. They won the offensive rebounding battle. They had but more assists than yeah. Alabama. 14 assists on 32 made baskets isn't great, but Alabama had just 11 on 24. They had eight steals compared to Alabama's six. Carolina had two blocks. Alabama had three. Carolina turned the ball over just nine times, which is great. That's what they need to be doing. They were like they crucial did. times too. Like yeah. TJ Moss had like two really bad ones. Like oh yeah, that run and Ky- oh. Kyra Lewis just I, I, I don't remember whose pass he picked off the first time. And then it was weird. It was like the way like TJ Moss just dribbled right into him. It's like he didn't see him, and he was just like, "Oh, oh. are you going to give me this basketball? Thank yeah. you. I will take this then, basketball and go score it." Yeah, they won or were comparable in a lot of instances. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know what the issue was? Free throw shooting. Shot by twenty one at the free throw line. Twenty one. Twenty one. And they they made attempts. Yes, in attempts. And they made sixteen more shots than you. You miss nine free throws and lose by four. 
Just make half of them. Half of those misses. Half of those misses. And it's overtime. Makes all the difference. Yeah. All right, backcourt. Not great game. If it had been better, Carolina would have won. They still didn't even need it. But AJ and Jermaine, uh, they're both going to be back next year. If AJ goes pro, it'll be... I don't know. We'll talk about that if that does come to pass. Yeah, and in our season post-mortem, whatever yeah, that might be. Yeah, which it, it kind of feels like this is. Uh, the flip side, if we want to do a little bit of bright side, which, I mean, there's no real reason to, but for as much as we said, all right, Justin Minai is out. Who's got to step up? It's got to be Keyshawn Bryant. He That's, did it. He did it. That's the missing piece. Three straight double-doubles from Keyshawn Bryant. Wait, hold on. I'm going to rewind. Everyone just forget everything that you listened to for the last 25 minutes. Ready? Hello and welcome back into another episode of The Hard Foul. We said it a couple weeks ago with, with Justin and I out. All Carolina needed was for Keyshawn Bryant to step up, get his scoring up, get his rebounding up. Everything else was going to fall into place, and this team was going to be getting hot at the right time. And you know what? That happened. Three straight triple doubles for Keyshawn Bryant. 22 points. Double doubles. 13 rebounds. What did I say? You said triple doubles. Uh, I'm, just, I'm getting way, I'm getting way too excited. You're in the flow. I, know. Yeah. I, I was so in the flow. Three straight double doubles for Keyshawn Bryant. 22 and 13 he looks back to normal. His legs look good. His energy looks good. He's dialed in. He only turned the ball over one time. And Colin, just like you and I said, that was the missing piece for South Carolina. They decimate Alabama. They win this thing by 15. They're getting hot at the right time. They're going to make the NCAA tournament. And they're going to get Justin Maniah back with Keyshawn Bryant playing well. Well, this is fantastic. This is exactly what Carolina needed. That's how this podcast should have started. Yeah. Keyshawn Bryant. 22 and 13. Yeah, that's just a double-double. He wasn't anywhere close to a triple-double. He had one assist, added a couple steals. But again, just one turnover. Tremendous. We thought that was the missing piece. Now he's playing well and no one else is holding up their end of the bargain, except for Jair Bolden in this game. You got 32 points from Alonzo Frank and Keyshawn Bryant on 13 of 17 shooting. That's not bad. And you lost the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And 20 rebounds between the two of them. Yeah. Like 32 and 20 on 13 of 17 shooting. That's that's prime Shaq right there. Alonzo Frank plus Keyshawn Bryant equals prime Shaq. Yeah. Carolina had prime Shaq on Saturday and they lost to Alabama. Yeah. And Keyshawn, for as much as we were praising him, did have that look at the rim. He just, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Mm. And I don't think Frank did either. Um, That would have tied the game with, 29 seconds left mm-hmm. um they had opportunities there and that's the frustrating part with him is that he makes all these great plays and he was phenomenal against alabama um made four of his six free throws too which huge but he still needs to grow into the moment he's mm-hmm. never been asked to be the guy and he's still not on this team and those growing pains you're gonna see now it just happened to be in a huge moment not the season on the line, but pretty damn near close. Right. And he decided to throw up a floater and hit it off backboard, no rim. Now, in his defense, he should be the fourth guy taking yes. that shot. Like, it is clear that Jermaine Cousinard is the clutchest player on Carolina's team right now. He should be the guy with the ball in his hands. If he doesn't have it going, or if they're locking him down, then it's either Mike or AJ. Now, yeah. AJ, because he's the highest upside player on your team. Mike, because he's the best player on your team and has been, you know, consistently for the entire season, even if he didn't have a great game on Saturday. So Keyshawn should be the fourth guy with the ball in his hands in that situation. Not saying that he shouldn't have made it, not saying that he shouldn't have made a better decision because he should have, but his growing into the moment, I mean, that would be gravy if Carolina can get that from him. They don't need that from him, and it's a shame that they needed it on Saturday because everything else, everything else he did was great. And I, I think... You know, the dunk, the big rebounds. He had 13 rebounds, and it always felt it felt like most of the rebounds that he got were big rebounds, either in traffic or over someone that was bigger than him or, you know, offensive rebounds. You know, he had a, you know, a little putback. Maybe he had a couple putbacks. I just remember one off the top of my head. But it was everything that you needed from Keyshawn, everything that you and I have been saying Carolina had not and maybe would not be getting from Keyshawn down the stretch. He's turned it on, but again, just in time for everybody else on South Carolina to start slumping simultaneously. Yeah. Um, you don't want Keyshawn Bryant to be in that situation. Now, you obviously do athletic standpoint-wise, but when you have A.J. Lawson streaking to your, at that point, it would have been his right, mm. feed that guy, yep. and then have him make a play. So you need... Growth is going to come. You're going to see growth from Keyshawn from this moment. The biggest problem was 
that and the the two just really awful shots that they took late with the uh, Keyshawn Bryant, whatever the hell he was doing on the floater, and then the loss and like. I think Frank Martin called it a st- off balance step back fadeaway three. You're talking about the one with like four or five seconds. Yeah, left? yeah, just bad. Like drive the damn ball, AJ. You're long and lanky, and you're the only guy that can get past somebody. Um, wait, was it not three at that point though? Or it was they... a three point game. It would have been game yeah. time. Drive the ball. Drive the ball. Kick. See, I was fine with the shot just because of the situation. Um, it wasn't the best it. look he was going to yeah. get. But yeah, Frank wanted him to drive and kick and so drive and kick and then try to foul. And then drive no driving kick. Oh, see driving if you can get kick. three. Yeah. Okay. Not driving. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I guess if you're driving, hit a shot. You have two seconds left. You can still foul. And I think Carolina had a timeout. Didn't they have one yeah, timeout left? Two timeouts. Two timeouts left. Yeah. Maybe. So they. I guess they would have had time to theoretically foul and, yeah. and, and get a shot. But yeah, I, I didn't have. I didn't have a huge problem with that. It definitely wasn't a great look. Um, I Frank guess did. Frank after the game was upset about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the biggest problem though, after before that. So it was about two minutes to go. Jermaine Cousinard leading a charge. Two-point game. Lowers his head, turns the ball over, smacks mm-hmm. the guy in the face. Yep. Flagger foul. Alabama hits both. Then gets a bucket on the ensuing possession. Two-point game goes to a six-point game. And you can just never recover. That's a freshman moment. Freshman moment. Growing moment, you hope. Yes, um, that's certainly one that uh, Jermaine's going to hear about again, and maybe again, and maybe again. Definitely Don't smack the damn dude today. in the face. Like yeah. if you turn the ball over, that's fine. Like it's not, but if you turn the ball over, you can live with it because you're only still down two with two right. minutes to go. And I, I thought they got that one right. Like yeah, I, oh, I feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they they call flagrance a little too soft. And in the moment, like watching it in real time, I was like, wait, how are they going to go back and review that? Is and then they showed the replay. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, was kind of sneaky though. Like if they didn't, if they didn't have replay, he totally would have gotten away with it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it happens. You can't do it, and that cost your team. Mm-hmm. And I think Frank Martin is going to be very, very upset with Jermaine about that. He seemed upset with Jermaine about that after the game. A lot of growing pains in this game. Yeah, you and I will have plenty of time to talk about it during the off season. And we mentioned it just before the podcast. It feels like next year with this assembly of talent. Obviously, you're losing Mike Coatsar. But still, the collection of talent that you have, bringing in Seventh Woods, the couple of freshmen that you mentioned last podcast, I feel like it's going to be kind of a put up or shut up year, and we're going to get to see how much Keyshawn Bryant and Jermaine Cousinard and Edge Lawson and all these guys continue to grow and develop. And yeah. as as frustrating as it is as it is to watch now, just look at Mike Coatsar, look at Cinderius Thornwell, look at Chris Silva, and just trust that you know the, the development will happen if the guys stick around and stay in the program. Which is, I mean, I don't have any reason to believe that those guys will leave, but that's like the only thing. It's like either guys stay at Carolina for four years and get a lot better for Michael Carrera in there, or they get sick of it and they transfer out or, yeah. you know, do whatever. But the talent's still there. I still really, really like when this team's humming, like just watching everybody go. It's fun. It's a fun team to watch. It's a really talented team. And Jermaine's still, I don't know, maybe my favorite player on the team. Yeah. He and Trey Hannibal. They're and, fun. And Jalen, those guys yeah. are those guys are gonna be good. I am convinced. Not a good game and a bad game to have a bad game and to make a boneheaded, knuckleheaded play like that from uh, from Jermaine. You mentioned Frank. If we were to combine his game with Bryant's game, we get Prime Shack. Nineteen minutes, four four from the field, made half his free throws, two of four, seven rebounds, finished with ten points, just one turnover, did have four fouls. That's what's gonna happen with Frank. Seems more comfortable now in the starting role. You know, a couple of good games for Frank here now after several bad games. Yeah. Obviously, he wasn't going to score 22 again this game, but to get to 10 and 7 in just 20 minutes, like that's that's the upside of what you should expect to get out of Alonzo Frank as a starter. Yes. That is At what least you this need. Season, yeah, yeah, that's what you need from him. You need to tread water with him. And he gives you that boost off the bench. Ideally, you would want him off the bench. But when he's given you that... He can help you tread some water a little bit to allow some rotation time with Jalen, who played really well, and um, Wildens, who mm-hmm. did not play really well against Alabama. Nope. Um, now, it's admittedly tough matchup. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Which makes it, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, oh, well, it's, it's nice that Frank got to that because Alabama plays fast and you know they, they try to spread you out and things like that. That does give Frank a little bit of a mismatch on the inside, but it makes sense for... Levesque and McCreary, just not really their kind of game. No. McCreary's certainly more than Levesque, and that's right. why he, he played a little bit more and did a little bit more. But that's the other thing about this Carolina team that 
has been interesting to watch all year. We've talked about the depth and the times when it has helped Carolina and the times when it's felt like even despite all the bodies, they're still a little bit shorthanded, especially with Manai being injured and some other guys missing games at different points of the season. But their ability to be very, very versatile. Like there are games when it makes sense for Wilden Zavek to start and play 17 minutes, and there's times when it makes sense for him to play eight minutes or five minutes or whatever. Yeah. And they've had the flexibility to do it. I think this season is going to sting a lot because there was so much potential because Carolina could play a lot of different ways because they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of young guys. They had some veterans. And mostly because of free throw shooting and I guess for some other reasons too, yeah. it, it didn't really go Carolina's way this year. We're, again, we're doing our moratorium maybe a little bit early because the season's not over. They could go on an improbable run in the SEC tournament or something like that. But there's just there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of upside. Now, fortunately, most of that is going to be back for next year. So, Frank, Levesque, McCreary, those are going to be the three bigs getting the most minutes. Who's starting? Who's coming off the bench? What exactly that looks like remains to be seen. But for McCreary, it's been a good freshman year. For Levesque, it's been a solid freshman year, up and down. But the amount of time that he's been asked to play has varied wildly from game to game. And for Frank... This, you know, 10 and 7 and 20 minutes on efficient shooting is kind of what we expected to see, or at least what I expected to see from him all year. So it's nice that after a rocky most of the season, he is yeah. sort of rounding into what we thought his sophomore form would look like by the end of the season. Yeah, and they're running stuff for him to get him a little bit more comfortable. He's playing more confident. And if he does that, then you feel good about what you're getting from him in the tournament against bigger guys, and um, you hope it kind of sticks. Because if so, then good for him. Yeah. Mike Coates are just 27 minutes, which I, I couldn't really figure out. So he picked up his second foul with like six minutes to go in the first half. So that cost him a few minutes there yeah. towards the end of the half. But, uh, I mean, other than that, just didn't have a great game. Three of no, nine shooting. Was pressing. and Yeah. Eight points, three rebounds, two assists. He still he, didn't turn the ball over. but He he got rarely out-physicaled. Mm-hmm. They out-physicaled him. And that was the frustrating part. I think Frank said it after the game. Uh, Herb Jones, who um, was playing with one hand, hauled in more rebounds with one hand than Mike Kotsar did with two. And made more free throws than everyone on South Carolina's team except for A.J. Lawson. He had he made the same amount as Keyshawn. He made four and played all 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he took uh. more free throws than Jermaine Cousinard. Um than everybody except for Keyshawn and AJ. Yeah. And Keyshawn, he tied. Yep. So. But Chandler and Bill um, Russell, I guess. Bill Russell used to shoot free throws one-handed. Yeah. So maybe that's like, what he was going for. And he for. made, yeah. And the fact that he was out, able to out-rebound Mike Kotsar by a very substantial margin. Mm-hmm. Mike Kotsar had three f- three rebounds. Oof. Um, and Herbert Jones had nine. Tripled him up. Definitely pressing. It also felt, really for like the first time this season, because Mike's had a great year. And yeah. like people, people have known it. Like he's been playing well enough for long enough now that people understand that that's the engine of the South Carolina basketball team. But it felt like this was the first game that people were really like, "Okay, don't let Mike get his looks." Yeah. Um. It, it just felt like they were keying on him a little bit more and letting everybody else work around Mike, and it worked. And I mean, that's the blueprint. One of the other notes that I wrote down watching the game. This is this is sad. We haven't said this in a while, but it's worth revisiting. But for a while, I felt guilty saying it's not good if Mike is the best player for South Carolina this year because he was playing so well. It's like this should have just been a boon for this team. But now the reality is sort of setting in, and he's still having a great year. And I don't say this to diminish the way that Mike's playing, the way that he's played, the outstanding senior year that he's had, but the reality is 2019-2020, the MVP of the South Carolina basketball season, has been Mike Kotsar, and now that we're right at the end of the season, turns out we were right to think that that wasn't necessarily a good thing for this basketball team. And yeah. that's no, no offense to Mike. No, 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 and Mike's done a phenomenal job, and the fact that he's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year just speaks to how good he is, but you need the pieces around him to be better. And when they're not, then you're seeing what's happening. You're seeing a team that's lacking consistency at times, lacking the ability to knock down shots, and... What Alabama did was pack the paint. Said, all right, Mike, if you're going to come in, you're going to come in here and you're going to get hit. And they didn't have an answer for that. And they tried to kick out and shoot threes. And when they did, great. And they hit them, but they just didn't do it at a consistent pace, which is why they got out to such a great lead. I think they hit like five of their first six shots. 
and got into this huge lead and just never responded after that. It was it was what eleven to one and fifteen to three, twenty to eight, and twenty to eight, and then Nate Oates gets tech. Total John Calipari move. Yes. Get a tech, and immediately Alabama goes on a 13-3 to run. Yeah, smart. Frank Martin needs to get more techs. I'm amazed that he doesn't get more already. Yeah, he was working the officials pretty hard. Has he, does he even have a tech this year? I don't think so. Definitely not in conference play. Like, maybe a non-con. That's so long ago, I can't remember, but that always works. My yeah. roommate and I were talking about this. He, he, I guess we were talking about all the Kentucky games that John Calipari's gotten thrown out, and two of them they won, even though South Carolina's up by a bunch, and then... He remembered one that I had forgotten that Carolina was like up by 20 when Calipari got tossed, and then Kentucky came all the way back and didn't quite win. But it's a great motivational tactic. And it really, I, I really, I don't know if there was causation or if it was just correlation, but I just thought it was funny. Like t- noticing that at the time. And then when I went and watched the game again this morning, I was like, I'm going to keep track of, I'm going to keep track of what exactly happened afterwards. And I was it's like, like a manager getting tossed in a baseball game. Yeah. It was 11 to 1. And then I think Keyshawn maybe had a bucket. They looked like it was going to end the run, and then they had a, another bucket to push it to thirteen to three. But and it was it was a three, and then it was missed shot from Carolina. Alabama Tur- scored, like, and turnover, then turnover, turnover, like, and then it was the Bolden turnover, and I think that was the that was like nine right there. Or, yeah, or, it, yeah. Three, they, four, Alabama yeah. can score in a hurry, and and they saw that, and yeah, the lead it was amazing. The lead just evaporated. Yeah, for Carolina, so it was it was really unfortunate. <sighs> not not much else to say about Mike. Just not a good game. Still had an awesome year. It's yeah. a shame. If he had played more up to his standard, that would have been the difference. But you can say that about AJ. You can say that about Jermaine. But again, I think it's better and more appropriate to just say it was all because of the free throw shooting. That's the best it's way to accurate. characterize yeah. it. You miss, get out shot by 21, and then they take almost 17, half as many. They make almost half as many as you make. Mm-hmm. Do they make more than South Carolina attempted? Oh, yeah, yeah. They I made 33. So, Carolina attempted 26. Yeah. They made more free throws than Carolina made field goals. That's, yes. That's that, that's not great. Because, again, Carolina shot a pretty decent percentage on Saturday. So, not great. We, we talked about some of the bench guys. Wilden's not a great game. Jalen, kind of whatever. Fouled out in 14 minutes. Trey Hannibal, freshman wall. Did have three assists. Didn't turn the ball over. Like, cleaner minutes than he has played. Played yes. some pretty decent defense on Kyra Lewis when he was in there, um, but didn't play a ton, just 10 minutes. And he didn't check in until, what, three, four minutes left in the half? Yeah. TJ Moss was the first guard off the bench. Right. Him and, and Bolden were the first yeah, two. And Moss just played the that one minute and then turned the ball over and never saw the floor again. TJ Moss with yeah. another one of his... Uh, we'll do this at the end of the season. We'll have... We're, we're going we're gonna to blow it out at the end of the season, just all the numbers, all the stats. But TJ Moss has had so many of these games. One minute, no field goals. Know anything else except for one turnover, and sometimes he's got an assist in there, but not great. But Jair, good game, Jair. Yeah, or good first half, he, Jair. He checked Jair. Yeah, he checked Jair. Also cooler, like it felt like things were settling in for Carolina because Jair came into the game, he hit all those shots, and despite Alabama going on a couple runs there in the first half, South Carolina was still able to weather the storm and held on to a two point lead. Yeah, going into halftime, and you're like, okay, cool. They weathered the storm. They probably should have more of a lead at this point because of how well they played early and how many shots Alabama was missing. But you're certainly in it, and then it was just the the runs late that South Carolina was not able to yeah. withstand, and that was the difference. And his defense has not been great this year, and that no. was the reason why he didn't play as much of the second half. Only he eight did. minutes. Uh, he made one good defensive play. Uh, yeah. d- did he strip somebody or force a jump ball, or it was a steal? I don't remember. And I feel like it was Lewis. So yeah. it, it was. It almost looked like it was on accident. He was not the primary defender. He just. Whoever Got was dribbling. Up. They switched and all of a sudden he's there. Yeah, it was either that or just like help defense. Yeah. I don't know. He made one good defensive play and I was like, whoa, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, his second half is not great. So in the first half, awesome for Jair Bolden. 11 points, 4 of 5 shooting, 3 of 3 from 3. Uh, one rebound, no assists, 2 personal fouls, eh, 12 minutes. Pretty alright. That's what you want from him. Pretty alright, yeah. They, if he gives you that over the course of a game, phenomenal. And if he gives you... Like that kind of thing over the course of the season next year? Because, look, I mean, we've talked about how Mike Kozar's not coming back. Pretty much the rest of the starting lineup's going to be unchanged. It's going to be Jermaine Kushnard. It's going to be A.J. Lawson. It's going to be Keyshawn Bryant. You stick Justin Maniah back in the fold, and then Wildens. probably Wildens will be yeah. the starter. Or shit, you, know, you can go th- there's, there's some flexibility there, but yeah. the point is your one through three are pretty settled, yeah. which means Jair, he's gotten a half a season's rep. He's coming off the bench. He's 
not even close to the defender that Hassani was by the time he finished at South Carolina. But in terms of a guy that can come off the bench and stroke some threes and score some points for you, seems like he could have some six-man-of-the-year consideration here. And he's got, what, two more years to play at Carolina? Is that right? Because he played the one year at George Mason or George Washington or wherever he played. He's Richard Jr. Yes, yeah, so he's, so he's got two more years to play. Oh, no, next year's is... Next year's will be his So he played two seasons and then transferred and then played this one year and then yeah. has next year. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, Carolina let me, will still Let me double-check that as I say that. Um, the uh, point is, it's nice to see him in that role. Yes, he's he, a junior this year. He still has some games where it's where it's nothing, but it seems like lately it's, he's, he looks a little more comfortable. And if he can live in that like 8 to 12 and every once in a while give you like a 15 or an 18... That's perfect. He's like he's exactly the kind of guy that you want coming off the bench, and that's yeah, that's that's good for Carolina. Had another good game. Anything else we should touch from the Alabama game, other than it was very very disappointing? South Carolina can only finish as high as fourth now in the SEC. Yeah, but that's not the end of the world. No, no, no. It's better for them to play on Thursday because they yes. need they need as yeah. many games as possible. They can need they, to win. Can they specially request to play on Wednesday? Yeah, I know we finished fourth, but. Can we forego yeah. both of those buys? Because yeah. Florida right now is at 10 wins. or Yeah, 10 wins in the SEC. And surprising loss this weekend. Yes. It's Tennessee. Uh, the SEC is setting up. They, the teams that South Carolina needed to win won, which good for them. Um, yeah, South Carolina is currently 9-7 and seven in the SEC. They are, if they win out, Mississippi State at Vandy. That would put them at eleven and seven, which is still good. Yes, Mississippi State has South Carolina and Ole Miss left, so let's say they split those, they would also be eleven and seven. South Carolina wins out, Florida loses out, and Mississippi State splits. South Carolina would be your four seed. Wow, I I had long given up on that being a possibility for South Carolina, but I guess the way the tiebreakers would fall because South Carolina. The way it works, tiebreaker-wise, obviously head-to-head. But if they split with Mississippi State, that's obviously one-to-one. And and then the tiebreaker after that, isn't it? Um, record versus the top seed in the tournament. Right. South Carolina is 1-0 against, against Kentucky. Kentucky yeah. And okay. Mississippi State is 0-1 against Kentucky. Huh. Easier said than done, but I don't think And Flor- they still need Florida to lose another game with lose, South Carolina. They need Florida to lose out. Because they're ten and six, oh, the, and they got Florida, they got Kentucky, and Georgia at Georgia first, then at, then home for Kentucky. Ooh. Anthony Edwards, and then I mean Kentucky's Kentucky's still going to be battling for Probably big seating. Obviously, yeah. not SEC seating. They locked that um, up this weekend, but yeah. So like doable, you got to win first, which has been a problem the last two weeks for South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, right. But three of their last four. Yikes! Yeah. But there, there's obviously a chance there. They could seriously. I mean. I haven't done the in-depth in-depth, but there's a possibility that South Carolina could finish fourth. There's also a possibility they could finish ninth. It's just, it's so, there are literally one, two, three, four, five, six teams with all within two games of each other. Right. Yeah, the SEC is absolutely bizarre. A&M, Alabama, and Tennessee all with eight. South Carolina at nine, and then Mississippi State and Florida both at ten. This is the last week of the regular season. You and I should be able to sit here and be like, this is probably what the SEC tournament is going to look like, and here's who South Carolina is going to have. It's no, no idea. We, we know who the one seed is. Yep, and we know who the fourteen seed is, and everything else wildly up in the air. I mean, there's you got the standings in front of you. How many teams? It's it's South Carolina, it's Tennessee, it's Florida, it's Mississippi State, Auburn, it's Alabama, A Mississippi State. Did I already say Tennessee? Are we? What are we doing? Like all those teams are going to finish 5 through, like, could very easily finish 5 through 10. There's, like, eight teams vying for those five spots. Yeah. Well, like, Auburn and Flor- and LSU. And LSU. Yeah. Auburn, LSU, Florida, and Mississippi State are all kind of the like five. The they're not the, going to finish 10, but the, they can finish like, anywhere from 2 to 6. Yeah, they're kind of that five seed. They're the five teams vying for the double buys. Yeah. Um, But could also finish as low as, like, 6, realistically, yeah. or maybe 7. Oh, it's all... It's all so volatile. Oh, man, it's crazy. These, uh, uh, I've just been looking forward to having, like, one more. Like, after tomorrow, you kind of get the idea that, all right, things are actually going to start making a little bit more sense now. We'll know what South Carolina needs to do for, the tur- for like, the tournament. But we say that, and then who knows? Who knows? 
Um, it will start with Mississippi State, regardless. Tuesday night, we're recording this Monday morning, so happy early podcast for you. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. And that's a uh, something o'clock tip. It's a 6.30 tip. Good job, Carolina. Way to have relatively early tips. Now you just hope that it's not a 16-hour game like Georgia. the Georgia game. That was overtime, so there's a little bit of an excuse there. But yeah. Mississippi State's coming in. Before we talk about the Bulldogs, before we leave Tuscaloosa officially, did you find the barbecue? Or did you go with Chris Gillespie? Oh, did I find the barbecue? You found it. So you did not go with Chris? No. Okay. Did I find the barbecue? Come on. Well, sometimes you don't get to because you're with Chris. I found it. Okay. I found it, and I enjoyed every damn minute of it. All right, so tell me about it. For Tuscaloosa? Oh, you found multiple barbecues. Well, I just want to make sure we're talking about Tuscaloosa. Yeah, well, did you eat barbecue in Birmingham slash No, 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 no. Hoover? Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, tell me about Tuscaloosa. It's called Archibald's and Woodward's. Archibald's and Woodward's? Yeah, it's it's the name of the restaurant, and it is outside of Texas. The best barbecue I have ever had. What? This is my second time having it. Oh, okay. It's so you're a veteran. Yeah. So what kind of barbecue is it? Pull pork. Good. You can do a different. You can do different stuff, but it's Alabama. I'm going pull pork here. So Alabama's mostly. I I, I know very little about Alabama's yeah, I mean, barbecue traditions. Yeah, they Being do close to Texas. I, I or closer to Texas than the Carolinas. Yeah, I figured it would have been more brisket. They, you, I think you could get brisket. It's Three like a rib ribs. town. It's yeah. a rib town. It is a rib town. That, yeah. Um. But they also do pulled pork, and they do pulled pork. But the white sauce. They do white sauce. I'm not a huge fan of white sauce. Yeah. Is that mayonnaise? I think so. Like what is it is it I'm not creamy? Sure. My I have people in my life that like it and I have never I just not, I don't I've never I'm had not it. a big I'm creamy fan. Okay. Um but they do have a phenomenal vinegar hot sauce base Good. barbecue sauce and it was just So that's what you did? Yeah. Did you try the white sauce or did you just avoid they it? They didn't give us white sauce. Oh, but okay. That's that's normally typically Alabama stuff. So yeah, yeah. um Oh they so they start off, they slap three pieces of just white bread on the this plate. Mm-hmm. They take about half a pound of barbecue and just put it Plop. on top. Yeah. Three more pieces of bread on top. And then oh. douse it with sauce and then three more bread pieces of bread on top. Whew. I was hurting. And a variety of pickles? I got pickles, I believe. Pickles um, and pickle bread. And you get cornbread. Oh, wow. <laughs> you get cornbread. So and two uh, sides. not great if you're on a low carb diet. Yeah. <laughs> um, not great if you have a basketball game to cover that night. Uh God, it was What it size was, did you get? I mean, I got there I got the plate. It's just it comes on one size and they just No, no, size. Uh sides. Sides. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um uh fries and collard greens. Ooh, how were the collards? They were okay. Spicy collards, sweet collards. They were spicier. Right. They were kind of bland, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, really? I think they tried to go spicy and it just didn't work. I just drown mine in vinegar. That's my go-to. Yeah. And the fries were fries? Yeah, they were good fries. Okay. All right, cool. I saved the fries for last because the sauce was pretty hot. Not hot, but like kind of stuck with you. Okay. So I yeah. saved the fries for last. As a little cooler? As like like the, the bread to kind of soak up some of the, yeah. the hot. That's good. Oh, it was so good. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you found it. I haven't had barbecue in a while, and listening to your barbecue adventures makes me jealous and happy to experience your barbecue adventures vicariously yeah. I, the, the last time i had like really good barbecue is this right yeah i think the last time i had really good barbecue was when i went to houston we flew into houston to drive to a&m for the a&m game yeah. and we stopped at a place called blood brothers barbecue which i'd seen for a while and they have a little bit of an asian fusion thing Ooh. which is phenomenal and it's it's not over the top it doesn't get in the way it's just a perfect compliment and it's one of those things where you're like wow why didn't i think to do this with barbecue yeah it's not yeah i, I know some people are like I don't, you know, I don't want anything touched by barbecue, anything like that. It's not, it's not in a weird way. It's just, it's a way that, frankly, if I just gave you the barbecue and and most of the dishes and was like, eat this, no one would know. Now they do, they did have a, like a brisket fried rice, Ooh. which is like the most overtly, like Asian cuisine influence. But uh, I always I judge barbecue based on the sides. I operate in that sphere. Really? Because I mean, yes. It's phenomenal to get good, well done meat, which I did. Um, not well done, but meat that's yeah, done well. Done well, <laughs> yes. Um, None of that dry meat. In, in, um, you can. It's not hard to smoke meat. It's hard to smoke meat exceptionally. Mm-hmm. But bad pulled pork is still good pulled pork. 
It's like the pizza thing. You can save it with sauce. Yes. You can save it with, with um, a very good sauce, I guess. Yeah. So I judge it on sauce. Now hopefully you don't have to save it, but yeah. yeah. I judge it on sauce, obviously. I also judge it on the sides. It takes some skill to make good collards. It takes skill to make good baked beans. And it takes skill to make good mac and cheese. Hmm. All right. I think you and I will have to agree to disagree on that in terms Fair. of how we judge it. But I think you and I should also endeavor to... I don't know, maybe do a barbecue podcast in the oh, off season, like yeah. do local joints or something like that. Cause yeah. I, I don't know if you knew this about me, Colin Taylor. And I don't know if I've mentioned this on another Gamecock central podcast network podcast, but back in my college days, my roommate, AJ and I had a long weekend, like winter break or something like that. Or I don't know. It was something we had like a, like a Friday and a Monday off. Yeah. And we we're like, okay, we should do something fun this weekend. It was senior year. So we were just trying to make sure that we didn't spend a single second of our lives, not indulging in some way. Right. We're like, well, let's do a little barbecue tour of the Carolinas. So we started, I went to Furman, so we were up in Greenville, South Carolina, and we drove down to the coast, down to Holly Hill, South Carolina, stopping my favorite barbecue place of all time, Sweatman's Barbecue. I have a very fun story about going to Sweatman's, but I will save that and let you continue. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we're we're well, let's, we're going to do a barbecue podcast this yeah. this summer. So it, we'll it involves me almost breaking up with my now fiance. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Over barbecue, I hope. No, 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 not barbecue. So... We were going to wait. Hold on, save it. We're gonna save it for the barbecue podcast. It, yeah, it involves me almost breaking up with my. Okay, all right. That's, that is a phenomenal tease. We're yes. gonna do this in the summer. Yeah. But yeah. Basically, we went down to the Low Country, drove all the way up to Greenville, North Carolina, over to like Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area, and then back down through like Shelby, North Carolina, and went to like seven barbecue places in three days, and ate a bunch of barbecue. So that inspired me to eat more barbecue, and eventually, I want to write a barbecue book, and maybe it'll. First, take the form of a barbecue podcast that you and I are going to do this summer. But I like it. I'm glad that you found the barbecue in Tuscaloosa. Y'all look forward to the barbecue podcast on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. We're leaving Tuscaloosa now, coming back to Columbia, where South Carolina is hosting Mississippi State. Yep. To whom they just lost two weeks ago. But are given a 56% chance to win by Ken Palm. Home court, significant in a matchup that's yeah. as is, is between two similar teams like Carolina and Mississippi State. Now, even though they only lost that game by three... Mississippi State probably could have put it away a little more yep. convincingly than they did. They were up by nine at halftime. They were up by 12 with a couple minutes to go. Carolina came back. Got a good game from Kotsar. Again, did not get great games from AJ or Jermaine. Jermaine was fine. Yeah. But you know, not super duper. Didn't get a whole lot from Frank. That was still when Bryant wasn't playing well. There's a pretty clear roadmap here. Now, you can't count on Mike to score 24 again. But there's still a, a comfortable roadmap here for South Carolina to win this game. They absolutely have to. Rebound the ball. Yeah, well, they have to rebound the ball. Yeah. But more than anything, I just want to know what this team looks like in response. We've talked about how resilient this team has been for most of the season, both on a micro level and on a macro level. You know, on a micro level, in tough games and in tough atmospheres, and obviously you're not going to do it every time because even the mentally toughest best team in all of sports at any level, you're not going to withstand every single run, every single, you know, uppercut that another team throws at you. But South Carolina's done a pretty good job of that this year. Yeah. And then even on a bigger scale, when they've lost guys for stretches, when Justin and I went down South Carolina after responding poorly against Mississippi State, rattled off a couple of impressive wins. I want to know how they respond because in that locker room, they've got to be thinking pretty much the same thing that most South Carolina fans are thinking right now, which is, well, that was our chance. Not like we blew it, but... You missed it. You you missed a Ship big chance there. This will be a quad two win right now. Yeah, if they can get a quad two win, which they don't actually have a lot of. They have a lot of quad ones and a lot of quad three and quad four. Let's see, Arkansas is probably a quad two right now. Arkansas is still quad one. That's still quad one. I guess I was on the road. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. The fact that it's on the road. So I haven't updated net rankings in a, a few days. Um, I haven't updated in a few days. Clemson's still Clemson's a quad one now. Uh, Florida's a quad two loss. A and M on the road is a quad two win. Mm-hmm. Um, is A and M at home quad three win? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and after that, Georgia on the road quad two win. Mm-hmm. Tennessee at home quad two win. Okay. And that's their last quad two win. So they only have like three quad two wins. All right. So yeah, you you have but to like get it five for the map. Quad ones. It's it's not like what you put at the top of your resume, but it's something else that you need to round out your resume, yeah. as it were. But again, more like even more than what happens in this game, in terms of the final score, because you know we, we kind of know where we are right now. Yeah. In terms of on the outside looking into what this Carolina basketball season is going to end up being, but how does this team respond? We'll show. We'll show us a lot. You talked yeah. about 
Jermaine needing to grow from some of those moments late in the game. Same with Keyshawn. You know, all these guys. How do they respond to that kind of adversity? How do they respond when the cards are down? That's what I'm going to be curious to see. I said Mike's not going to score 24 again, but after having eight and being the senior on this team and probably not wanting to go out on with senior a whimper day. on senior day, maybe there is a little bit of mojo there. Again, you can never count on 24 and seven from Mike, even as well as he's played this year. But yeah, what does Carolina need to do differently that was the difference in the Mississippi State game last time? Rebound. I mean, rebound the ball. Don't don't foul. Um, they contain Reggie Perry, uh, but they also gave up eight offensive rebounds and nine defensive rebounds. That won the rebounding margin, but Mississippi State can't get that. You got to contain and play, be better on the ball. I mean, when you look at we- uh, Weatherspoon had, I'm looking at the stats now, 18, 18 that game on five of ten shooting. Yeah, and Stewart had a lot of points as well, 16 points on three of five shooting. That can't happen again. You have to be able to contain their guards, and if you can do that, and Mike obviously gets to the point where he's defending Reggie Perry getting a high level, mm-hmm. then you have some good things going for you. Yeah, I mean, this is your, this is your last one because for Mike, he's not going to cement his SEC Defensive Player of the Year, SEC First Team resume against Vanderbilt. No, <laughs> you know, if Jermaine maybe had a case, you can say, oh, he still got Saban Lee left to play, but this is. This is Mike's last chance to have a really good high-profile game against Correct. a guy that's in the running for SEC Player of the Year, not just Defensive Player of the Year, in Reggie Perry. And as you mentioned, just two of eight in the last game, ten points, and seven turnovers, even though he did grab ten rebounds, did Perry. But that's another fun matchup to watch, and Mike won that resoundingly. So is this a revenge game for Perry? Is this an opportunity to Mike from bounce back to bounce back from his poor game on Saturday? A lot of factors here. Yes. The thing that's, I guess, maybe a little bit troubling is Carolina... Again, despite losing by three and despite being down by a lot more and they could have lost by more, they they did shoot the ball well. They shot over yeah. 48% from the field, 29 of 60, and they shot their free throw as well, 14 of 19. Now, the three-point shooting was a little bit down, 23.5%, but four of 17, that's the difference in like one or two made threes in terms of that being a, a more mm-hmm. regular percentage. But Mississippi State also shot the ball incredibly well and got a lot of really, really... They shot 50% and it didn't feel like they had a crazy shooting night. They got a lot of really good looks that game, so... Defensively, South Carolina needs to be a lot better than they've been for, frankly, the last four games. Yeah, no, they've been. I mean, when you allow a season high of 116 points per 100 against Alabama, you need to tighten some things up. And obviously, points and uh, points at the line help with that for Alabama. But man, you got to be on better on ball. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then you're, I mean, you're SOL. You're completely SOL. 6.30, the Colonial Life Arena. Tuesday night, which means South Carolina has a little bit more rest yes. before they go to Nashville. Not that they need it. And frankly, you probably want a little more rest in between Saturday's Saturday game and, and the Mississippi State game, although you're at least coming back home, so that maybe makes things a little bit easier for South Carolina. Uh, anything else to watch out for against the Mississippi State? It's, it's kind of weird again. This is, the, I guess, the fourth of five times we will be doing a preview for a team that South Carolina has already played and just sort of a what can you learn from the last game. But anything yeah. else we need to mention? No, I thought they played pretty decent offensively against Mississippi State. When we come back on Thursday, we'll, again, everything's so up in the air, and there will still be one game, which could shift probably still a ton of things, but we will have yeah. a clearer picture of what the SEC tournament will likely look like, so we can give you a little bit of a preview of where South Carolina is going to fall, and that, the the first, is is that considered a postseason tournament, or is that like yeah. end-of-season tournament? Yeah, postseason. It's All right, cool. Carolina's got postseason play this year. <laughs> Not like year. they do every yeah, year. Yeah, but still. <laughs> So for all the people complaining that Frank Martin never makes the postseason, yeah, because I don't really think of the SEC tournament as postseason play because I feel like postseason play is something you have to qualify for. It's more like yeah. an end of the season. It's like a it's like a coda kind of. But anyway, so we'll have a clearer picture for you on what the SEC tournament is going to look like, as well as South where South Carolina is in the net, and depending on obviously how the Mississippi State game goes, what their likelihood is of still making the NCAA tournament, and if not, we'll go ahead and start to look at potential seeding, maybe even the NIT. I don't really want to look at. NIT like seating projections because that sounds like the saddest thing ever. But I've had to. Yeah, we'll we'll probably do a little bit of that on Thursday. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Read Colin on GamecockCentral.com and follow him on Twitter at Colin Taylor with a Y. I guess today you will have up your How Carolina Beats Mississippi State, and y'all can certainly still read what we learned from the South Carolina Alabama game. We'll get an update 
Today is Monday. We'll get an update here in about two hours from Frank Martin on Justin Manaya, who will see a doctor this week. Mm, so exciting. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. South Carolina's going to lose to Mississippi State, and then they're going to lose to Vanderbilt, and then they're going to get Justin Manaya back, and then they're going to run the table in the tournament and yeah. get an automatic bid, which would sure. just be silly. Yeah, why sure. not? I mean, we said this at the beginning of the season, don't bet on Carolina. Like, everything's unpredictable. You're getting fresh Justin Manai. You're getting fresh, fresh legs Justin Manai. Fresh legs If Justin he plays. Manai. Yeah, if he plays. Which, stay tuned to GamecockCentral.com. You'll have that as soon as it's posted. Actually, you'll probably have it on your Twitter, frankly, before you can even get it up on what? GamecockCentral.com. Well, that's immediate. I, you have it up on Gamecock Central as quickly as possible. Do you not tweet that out before you write the article? No, you write the article, man. Get the clicks. But you're live tweeting from the press conference. I'm like, not live tweeting all the time. Are you not? I, I feel like I get a lot of good updates from you from the press conference. Oh, like if I'm not that. watching, sometimes. Okay. I don't like well, live tweet every quote like some people do, but no, some people. Do. But something pertinent like that, you think you'll write that article before you tweet it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then y'all, don't look at Colin's Twitter feed. No, look at my Twitter feed. Angry <laughs> tweet me. I get a lot of angry tweets. <laughs> I get a lot of angry tweets all the time about uh, basketball. No, baseball. It's, it's all good. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the time you listen to this, frankly, South Carolina will probably understand. Have given an update on. What to expect from Justin and I in the next couple weeks. Follow him on Twitter at Colin Taylor. Follow me at Pearson Fowler. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy Monday. Enjoy the Carolina game on Tuesday, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.